Good evening, good morning, whatever the time of the day you are listening to this. This is the latest rendition of the AG podcast with myself, Jaminator, as host. And with me, as always, um, hello, Ash Cohen. Good evening, mate. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. Are you keeping well? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Good, good. Um, sort of semi-regular podcast uh, appearee is, uh, is Berger, who's joining us today. Hello, Berger. Hello. Hello, everyone who's in the podcast, and hello, everyone who's listening. How you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, just about hanging in there, like before. <laughs> good, and um, and the last guest, is, uh, there's four of us today, is uh, is Championship resident Joe. How you doing, Joe? You all right? Yeah, not bad, you? Yes, not bad, mate. Thank you very much. Not bad at all. Excited to be on? Buzzing. <laughs> well, you, you sound absolutely riveted, I'll be honest. Oh, man, it's the highlight of my hour. I bet you've been looking forward to this all day. <laughs> I have. Right, so um, without further ado, we'll kick straight off. We're going to move straight into League One, um, which obviously none of us are actually involved in League One, but it's still, you know, legally we are obliged to mention it. Um, again, we, we talked about it before, you know, sort of relatively new, trying to create a new structure to the podcast. I'm not going to waffle on about uh, about who's where in what position, but for me, the, the key points uh, of League One, so there's two 100% records, which is uh, Hillier and Red Rhino. Um, both winning all four games, 12 points and uh, only one goal difference between them at the top. Um, it does have to be said though they have both had quite easy starts. Um, you know, oh. Rhino's played oh. Gazgrass and Andy Brill. Um, Hilly has played Gazgrass and uh, Wiz Fox. So you know they, they have played sort of two of the the bottom four fodder, if you were. Um, in terms of uh, just below them, Payne Wales um, is the only other person with an unbeaten record so far. Um, who also possesses the top goal scorer in the league in uh, in Minamino. Um, and other than that, the only thing is, uh, I mean, following match day one, which obviously last podcast we wouldn't have called because it was a preview episode, uh, Harry got battered by emotional worm, which you know we have to celebrate ten two <laughs> over the uh, sorry ten four <laughs> over the two games. Um, Ash, I'll come to you first. Um, yeah. League one. Um, I've sort of just broken it down, like I say, very quickly there. But um, anything you want to focus on in particular? Um. <sighs> I think, uh, obviously, Rhino and Hilly, you've said, have had uh, a couple of easy games. Um, they've scored, I mean, they're just looking at these goals they've scored. They've, uh, I mean, Rhino's put 18 in, Hilly's put nine, uh, 19 in, and they've both scored less, um, conceded less than five goals. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see um, if they carry that on when they sort of play more of the, uh, the top players, so to speak. But I'm just looking, I mean, Welser... Um, I don't know if I was expecting him to walk the division or what, but I think after, um, I mean, I know he's only played two games at the moment. Um, I was expecting to see him a little bit higher than uh, the ninth. Um, well, I mean, that being said, he's played probably the second best player in that division based on a lot of previews. You know, Wince is probably the, the second best player after Welser. Would you not agree? Yeah, well, uh, perhaps. Um you know, and maybe that's a good that that's a good show and a good sign of what could possibly be um, thought at that top of that division. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who he's still got to play next um, in his second set of games, and there's no doubt that I expect he will probably uh, shoot back up and start going on a a bit of a run now. Um, but I mean, I'm just looking at some of the names in there, and uh, it's the names in that sort of top seven eight that you see in there every single season. Um, you know, uh, Wince, Payne Wales, Worm, Harry. I mean, uh, Harry is uh, 
Well, he's already—he's the one we like to talk about in League One. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. The funny thing is, you can hear Ash. Ash desperately wants to slag him off. I'm trying to say. I'm trying to think of something positive. I'm trying to think of something positive. But I mean, tell you what, then, right? So. We're on Harry. Joe, we'll come to you. In, in terms of Harry, obviously, you yeah. know, he, he massively overspent on, on Liverpool. It ended up in the end, but he finally got them. Um, in terms of Harry's season so far, obviously, lost two games to uh, to Worm and then won and drawn against Wiz Fox. How do you appraise his season so far? Shit, isn't it? I mean, well, I was, was trying to find positives. I mean, what's, what's he going to do? He's not going to go up, is he? Was he now eighth place outside the playoffs? He's struggling. Style. I mean, at, at the risk of drawing the eye of a third of the site, it's League One, isn't it? Like, nobody really cares. Like, you look you look at the table and Rhino's top, he's not going to stay there. He's fucking awful. He's been trying to get promoted for like three seasons. I think he's having a good start. He's won his first four. I think he'll go up. I think Wins will join him. I think Wells will win the playoffs. All right, interesting. I mean, Berger, do you sort of echo that sentiment that, that you'd never look this low down? Um, I... I always have an eye on it, so to speak. Um, <laughs> would like to go back to your conversation. I mean, it's really early in the season. And, uh, is this, is and this because you have already lost a game? Is this why you're saying no. it's really early in the season? <laughs> no. <laughs> you're people, setting this up for later on? No, it's just because people have buys. And Wells looks like he's had a buy in his first two weeks and his ninth place. Yes, and he's also played a decent play in that division. So, yes... We can say you won one, lost one, but it's too early to tell, and it's going to the be the same. The table doesn't lie, Burger. The table doesn't, doesn't lie. lie. I seem to remember last season after <laughs> four games you were winning the league, and then what happened then? Uh, and just was yeah, just move on. It doesn't sound in a good mood, does he? It doesn't, does he? Oh my word! This could be chippy. <laughs> oh, he's probably going to the chippy. He wishes he was. Right. Anyway, tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. tomorrow night. <laughs> oh um, right before we uh, before we move on, um, in terms of League One, um, anybody else got anything like to talk about? No. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> the only thing I would say is, I mean, I, I don't, again, I don't know if I'm being harsh. I mean, 12th down to 15. Gazgrass, Brill, Wizfox, and Safety. We say it a lot. You know, we we do often get accused of saying, "Oh, the so and so will be the so and so, the top four will be the top four, etc." But that, that bottom four is pretty much going to be the bottom four, isn't it, we think? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't see any of them really challenging other than that. I mean, you know, the thing is, they're all decent guys as well, you know, and I've said it before, it's, it must be it must be difficult to, to lose a lot, but uh, but they still keep coming back for more, so uh, it's a fair play. Yeah, um, 100%. They're, they're better people than me. I think if I was down the bottom of the league one getting pumped every week, I don't know if I'd still be in it, to be honest. No, I think yeah, it must definitely take its toll. Yeah. Um, right, we'll uh, we'll move on to the uh, the championship. So I'm just going to uh, again just sort of whiz through a couple of the key movers and shakers and and things that have been going on since the last podcast and the start of the season. Uh, so Jeff is top. Uh, Jeff Anthony is uh, is top. I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. I'll be honest. I think a lot of people were tipping Aaron and Jeff, but uh, Aaron and Joe and, and whatnot. And again, you're absolutely right, Berger. We have had buys. But we're only four games into the season. 100% I get it. Um, but still, you know, props to him. Ten points. He's uh, he's beaten Bertie and Bry on the way. Uh, a good start for Joe as well. Uh, obviously, I know you're on the podcast. We'll come to that in a minute, Joe. 
um, you know, two wins uh, against Dearest Storm, who, you know, the, the lineal champion oh, of the I, championship. I thought Storm was going to um, work it this season. Well, exactly. He's only won one in four games, boys. I mean, we must be in an alternate reality or something right now because I'm not quite sure what's going on. Um, and honourable mention to Riverman as well, played four um, and unbeaten. So, you know, fair enough. Um, Joe, we'll come straight to you. Obviously, yep. a resident of the championship for the first time in uh, in a while. Have you been championship a few seasons ago, maybe? I'm trying to think. Uh, no, only once in my first season. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Um, how are you finding it so far? Easy. Well, yeah. You played Storm, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not the greatest test, I suppose. I mean, I've got Raz next week, and I think I said the chart box the other day, no offence to Raz, but that's six points, isn't it? So I should be on maximum points after four games. Easy, really. Is there anybody so far that you sort of see as, I mean, apart from maybe the obvious being, you know, Aaron and, and whatnot, anybody that you're sort of not looking forward to playing in that division? Uh, not particularly. No, I mean, Aaron will be tough. Riverman has got a very good team and he's, he's all right, but he, he can't beat me in a competitive game. He knows that. Soggy, I've, I haven't really played Soggy. I know people slag him off for his defensive style. I mean, I'm not great against that, but we'll see. It's... Uh, it, it doesn't seem the toughest division to get out of. I know it's been tougher in other years, but you look at the lineup and it doesn't look awfully tough, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair it's a fair appraisal. I mean, the, the one thing I want to come to, Berger, just before we hand over to you to have a bit of a chat about the championship, um, who <laughs> the one manager not to concede a goal so far this season? Soggy Cabbages. <laughs> Zero yeah. conceded. Um, and to be fair, though, he's got the top goal scorer. Um, that being said, he's only scored five goals and that one person scored four of them. So, you know, who, who did he play in those first two games where he considered none? Um, he played Macam Jet. Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, to be fair, I've never played Macam Jet, so I don't. I, I'm I'm a bit you know sort of unbiased on that. One. I don't know whether he's good or bad. Um, if Soggy's beating you with with, uh, with a zero in the goals against Colton, though, then he can't be that good. Yeah. Um, Berger, you're the admin of this uh, this division, obviously. How have you um, found it? You've been putting the results through. Uh, um, any shocks? Um. Not so much. I think it's status quo to an extent. Um, Jeff has just signed Mallon, which is going to strengthen his cause um, a lot. I thought he changed uh, him to Mark the Shark. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last season, Jeff had a great start, and then he, well, he capitulated. Bottled it. You know what uh, well, bottled that. Yeah, bottled it. Um, so, I mean, he strengthened his case and he could be well be dangerous uh, with that kind of player in his team. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's status quo at the moment, but it was kind... I think it's, a like I said, it's early on in the season. Probably get a good gist of where people finish after four or five match weeks. Because that, that gives four or five people who has got a game in hand um, to catch up at least. Fair enough. I mean, there's there's a couple of shocks in there already. As far as, I mean, I thought Bert would do better. He's only played two games. Fair enough. And again, he's got Macum mm. in the next two games, so he might win two of those and, and be up in the playoff place yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, as Joe rightly says, you know, Rousey's played two. He's lost two. I mean, bless him. He was very very difficult to uh, to pick oh, up. No, any to be fair, to Raz, he's played four. Hasn't he? He's played four. One, two, lost two. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. Um, when he was in the prem, obviously he was he, he did struggle, didn't he? That's the thing. And um, yes, I think he could arguably struggle again this season. Maybe a season of consolidation for Raz, if they can bring in some uh, some support at the back. Um, 
Ash, in terms of the championship, um, yeah. obviously, you know, you sort of, you know, you teetered on that edge just, a little just bit. Avoided it. Just avoided it. Just avoided it. Lucky to have avoided it? Uh, yes, I think so. Um, I think, obviously, I left it late last season and uh, I, I thought I was going to go down over, say, Aaron. Um, I just managed to put together that sort of last uh, four or five uh, games that managed to get a couple of wins under my belt that sort of propelled me up. Um yeah, I mean, I was looking at that league. I think Aaron in second. That doesn't surprise me. Um, I always thought that Aaron was going to be one of the ones to come back up, and uh, I expect he will. Um, I'm just looking towards the bottom. I mean, Bertie, he's only played two games, and his next set of fixtures is Mackham Jet. So, uh, like others have said, I expect him to take six points there and propel. Um but one of the surprises, and um, maybe it's just because I, uh, when I've played him in the past, he's come across really, really well, is um, Big B. Um, he played four, and he's not won a game. Um, I mean, I know he played Riverman um, and Jeff Anthony. Um, so two players in that league that are, are going to be tough. I mean, you know, River's unbeaten and Jeff is unbeaten as well in their first four games. Um, but... I, I don't know. I was just I was expecting him to maybe push a little bit more up. I'm hoping that he can uh, get a couple more uh, a couple more wins under his belt in the next few games because he's a good player um, and probably yeah, is I mean, a deserving like, of that like you spot. Say, it's, it's early days, isn't it? At the end of the day, you know, there's, there's a lot of lot of things and a lot of moving around that is going to happen. Um, I mean, you mentioned Riverman there as well. You know, two wins, two draws. Um, and Joe, you mentioned him earlier on as well. I mean, for me, yeah. the, the thing with Riverman is yes, he's got a great team, but he's so his his attack is so potent, you know, and I think that's that's what's going to get him get him points this season. I think you know, in terms of I mean, he admits it himself, doesn't he? He can't defend. Um, you know, he scored nine, he's conceded six. Um, you know, again, do you think that that's going to cost him ultimately this season, or do you think he is going to sneak into those playoffs and and manage to do it this season? Who are we asking? Sorry, Joe. Yeah. Yourself. Oh yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. No. Um... I'd like to think he'll go up because he's good enough to go up. But uh, Phil's problem is he's so one-dimensional. I mean, I, I joke about it, but his attack is literally running in straight lines and either cutting back or um, crossing the ball. And it's when someone figures out they can just use drop back and play really, really deep, and they can't get past him. He can't get past him. It's quite easy to figure out, to be honest. And I think he'll struggle with that. So you think when Storm parks the bus against him, he's going to struggle? Yeah, people like Storm and Soggy. You know, the, the people that are really going to out tactic him he's going to struggle big style and like he says he can't defend he can he could have 70% possession and, and absolutely bombard somebody and they'll have two shots and beat him it is what it is fair enough um, before we move on boys any uh, any more to say on the championship I think Sofa's quite interesting I don't know if you've played Sofa because I know you probably have jump Sofa's better than where he is he's a he's a lower premiership player I don't know whether he's struggling with his team or he's just out and out tanking but he should be yeah. at least half up the table, if I mean, not in there. I mean, like, it is only, we are only four games in. I don't know who he's played. He might have played some really good players. But well, for me... He's, he's played he's Raz. He lost, he lost both games to Raz, 2-1. Oh, really? And yeah, Storm yeah. beat him 5-1, and he drew 0-0. That's, um, maybe, that's out, out and out tanking, then. I think maybe, <laughs> I think maybe he just um, needs to find a bit of time to find his team as well, because obviously he's... Uh, yeah inherited a team um, I know for me it took a long time to get the team I want so 
maybe when he starts bringing in those players that he I mean, wants, he can uh, propel up there. The thing I would say on that, though, Ash, is he had a team that I made from scratch, you know, compared to a team that, you know, that was inherited. You know, yeah. someone like that we'll come on to in a minute with Danger Mouse. Yeah. He inherited um, Mbix's team, which for me was, was in bits, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. The only way he, he was any good was because he was stat boosting. Hmm. Um, you know, Sofa had a team that, that did have a few decent players in. Um, one that I think he sold to Bunsey for about 49 million or something. Um, so, you know, so he's got a decent team. And I agree, Joe, you know, he, at the start of the season, he was due to be in, the, in League One. Um, and I was one of the ones lobbying for that not to happen because I think that would have just been a complete mismatch. Um, for me, he's much better than the, the players in League One. And I'm, yeah, I am also shocked, you know, again, only four games in, but I'm shocked to see him, uh, see him low down, getting beaten by the likes of Raz and, uh, and Storm for sure. Um, well, uh, we'll move on to the um, the Premiership. Right, you, before we move on to the Premiership, we'll um, we'll take a quick break there, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with Bertie and his golf segment. Um, so, Bertie, if you want to take it away and fill us in on what's been happening with the golf. Hello again, and greetings from the AG Clubhouse. We've had a couple of events since we were last on. Week seven saw us visit Kentucky Knob, where Paul Lowes became the first scratch golfer to win a handicapped event this season. He shot 27 under, a superb score to finish seven shots clear of Hilly and the Wince. Week 8 saw our second major of the year take place at Mamadroit Links, kindly sponsored by Harry's Body Shop. The winner over this very tough course was Red Rhinoceros, who shot 16 under to win by two from Wizfox. That was Rhino's first win in a couple of seasons on tour. I'm sure he'd be happy with that. In the battle for the AG Tour Championship, Paul Lowes currently leads by a mere one point over Welza. In the battle for the AG Society Final Five, Welza, Paul Lowes, Shelburne, Red Rhinoceros and Wizfox are currently in the five positions. And missing out, rather surprisingly, is Burger Boy, last year's champion and who has a little bit of work to do to, to make it into even the Final Five this season. We're currently on week nine of the tour, where we have another handicapped event at Skinwalker Ranch. The greens on this course are easy, but tee to green, it's a tough course and finding the fairways is quite a challenge. Including this week, we have three weeks left on tour. And then we're going to have an event, which I hope everybody is going to participate in on week 12. It'll be a crazy golf event. So even if you don't regularly play on the tour, Try and play that. It's guaranteed to be a laugh. Until next time. Thanks, guys. All right. Cheers, Pat Bertie. Thanks for the update. And obviously, anyone who wants to get involved, please message Bertie either on the site or via PM. And um, I'm sure he'll be uh, happy to get you involved. Um, Right, boys, the Premiership. So, obviously, uh, none of us are strangers to the Premiership. Um, Sort of uh, the the big movers and shakers in this one. So, Buncey is uh, is top of the league with a 100% record with Joby just behind him, who's still uh, unbeaten as well. Again, we know it's early stages, but you know, we have to say these things as well. Um, good start for Shelbourne um, on his first season in the Prem. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's sitting there in fourth, only lost one game, one, two. I think he drew a game against you, Ash, as yeah. well. Um, and for me, one of the big things is uh, Berger, Southey, and sort of a lot of people who are tipping to be up there as well, Brian, have all lost games early on in the season. Um, again, it's early. They're all playing each other early on. I get it. Before you start getting your excuses in Berger, um, 
But uh, it's important to note that, you know, people aren't going to have unbeaten seasons this season, or not by the looks of it anyway. Um, but uh, Berger, we'll come to you first. Um, in terms of uh, the Premiership as a whole and your chances this season, your experiences, how have you found it so far? Um, <coughs> yeah, I've, I'm relatively happy. Um, I think I've said on the podcast numerous times, really, to have a good season, you need to at least win one of the games of the set of two. Um, and I've obviously done that 50-50 against the two of the favourite players. So I can't really argue with that. Um, relatively happy. Um, and yeah, uh, it's I've got my bye week next week, uh, this coming week. So I'll be sitting back and I think Broy has got Sudi or something like that. So it will be interesting to see how those two get on as well to see because um, it will most likely mean other people dropping points and putting pressure on us other people like Buncey and Joby who are unbeaten at the moment and racking up the points early on I mean in terms of your early season form um, you know loss win loss win um, and, and that included a 5-0 loss I mean any thoughts on that Berger a 5-0 um, loss I mean that's pretty yes. bad it is bad but if you saw the game I mean, it's and I really speak, bad, isn't it it is, but the context of the game, um, even uh, Southy admitted it, that um, he had four, five shots, five goals, and I pretty much dominated him, and I just couldn't score for Toffee. Um, I probably deserved the point more in that game, believe it or not, than the win I got in the first one. So it's... I'm having a problem taking easy chances recently, but uh, for one win and one loss against Southie, if I'd have had that last season, I would have won the league. Um, so, uh, but I'd certainly take three points off Sylvie and hopefully you can drop more points, obviously, sooner. I mean, saying that you uh, you dominated a game where you lost 5-0 is the same as MJJ saying that Leighton Baines is better than Ashley Cole. Um, yeah, but you have to watch the game. It's not the case, is it? It's just uh, not the case. It depends, because you could have 10 open goals, miss them all, and he takes all his five chances. Then you didn't, didn't dominate, did you? You should have put him in. Berger, did, did you have 10 open goals? Not in that game, no, but I was just using that as a <laughs> But he did admit that the scoreline was very, very generous to him. So if you go and look on the match comments, go ahead. All right. Okie dokie. So um, in, terms of, uh, in terms of the bottom of the division, Ash... Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Messi and Danger Mouse arguably look sort of doomed already. I know it's only four games. I know it's early. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, you could even look up to maybe Paul possibly as well. But... Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think the bottom three that are in the bottom three at the moment will probably be the bottom three that go down come the end of the season. Um, that might be a bold early call. Um, Messi, I don't think is clicked. Clip it, boys. Clip it. Uh, right, yeah, yeah. Quote, quote at the end of the podcast. Uh, Messi pulled a mouse to go down. Um, no, I mean Messi uh, obviously hasn't clicked. I know he's played uh, Joby and yourself. Yeah. Um, I know he's. Uh, I know he's done that. So maybe that's harsh. Danger Mouse. I mean, you've mentioned it already. I think his team is in, uh, you know, a shit state. Um, I think he's another one that once he gets his players in and the team playing the way he wants, um, I think he's going to push on. But I don't know if it's going to be this season. I'm not going to say too much more on Mouse because we play uh, in the next few days. So uh, I'll keep keep the words to a minimum. Um, And Paul, 
Paul's another one that sort of tinkered around the bottom the last couple of uh, seasons. Obviously, last season just uh, beat Aaron in the playoff. Um, I'd like to see him push on, um, but I mean, he's played four, he's lost three of them, um, two of which was to Shelbourne, um, and one of which was to Suited. Um, and this is without playing any of the uh, so called top players of that division. Um, so I don't hold out much hope for him either uh, come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, getting on to your uh, your games in particular as well, you've had four yeah. games, you sit in fifth position on seven points, so yeah. sort of very much middle of the road at the minute. Yeah. Um, you know, what, how, what's been your appraisal of your season so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't moan. Um, I know Berger said earlier that if you take a win each uh, sort of set of games, it's uh, it can be a good season, and uh, thankfully I've done that in the first uh, four games, um, four points out of the first two and uh, three points out of the second. Um so I can't really moan too much. Players are clicking well. Um, strike force is going well. Um, for me, it's going to be about taking as many points as I can against the sort of bottom half um, players and then trying to take points off those that are at the top, and that's where the challenge comes. So I've got Mouse uh, in the next set of fixtures, um, and then I think there's a couple of other fixtures, um, maybe the likes of Suited and uh, a couple of others, I think, until we get to sort of match day five or six, and then I think it's uh, yourself, Jam, uh, Burger, Tuffy, and uh, Brian all in the space of four games. Um, so that's going to be the real test. But yeah, I mean, in terms of a start, I can't moan too much. I mean, Martin Ellie's been banging in the goals for you as well, so that's uh, that's been a good good upgrade for him. He has indeed. Um, Joe, coming to you now. Um, sort of two points I want I want you to uh, to consider for me if you don't mind. So one, obviously, Bunsey. I know you're sort of uh, quite close with Bunsey. Um, you know, four wins out of four. Um, you know, so good good season for him so far. And and second point is, is on Brian. Um, in the sense that you know Berger touched on it earlier on. He's just sold uh, Doniel Mellon. I think is, is how you pronounce it. His um, his top scorer and uh, and the one of the best strikers on the site in favour of bringing in two slightly worse players and some cash. Do you think that's going to possibly, that that might be it for his title chances if, if they were there at all now? Oh, well, on Brian, it's difficult really. I mean, I, I spoke to him about Marlon as well and he obviously wanted to improve in a couple of different areas. He doesn't feel like his squad's as strong as others. Is selling Marlon a good idea? I don't think so, personally. I think uh, what we're going to move on to later, especially with the weird system and where it all is, I think he could pick up good players in BFAs very easily over the next couple of weeks and improve his squad that way. He's just given away one of the better strikers on the site. So for me, it wasn't a great decision. Scored six goals in four games. Yeah, it? and I absolutely think that'll cost him, yeah, 100%. Um, and on your other point on Buncey, I put Buncey in the same thing as Joby. They're both up the top of the table, but if you look at who they've played, they've both played players in the bottom five um, who you'd probably expect to go down. So is it a false position at the moment? More than likely. Fair enough. I mean, the only other point I want to sort of just really quickly touch on before uh, before we move on um, is is Joby. I mean, you look at a lot of the forums, you look on Twitter. Joby's talking himself up here, boys. He thinks he's going to win the thing. Um, I mean, I like Berger, his confidence. Do you think that can happen? Um, I do rate Joby as a player on FIFA. He's obviously enjoying a lot more than the last one. Um, he actually did take points off me and Southey last season, so um, I think he had a really rubbish start last season which pretty much cost him to be in the race with me Colmore and Southey um, so but yeah I could see them two mixing it in but uh, um, Joby I think he was 
I think the draw, I think he was a bit gutted on. But, uh, yeah, I think he could stand a chance in getting... Maybe not first, but he could mix it, definitely. Fair enough. Um, right, we're going to um, we're going to move on now, boys. Um, you've all had a little bit of homework to do before we uh, before we started the podcast uh, this uh, this evening, and it was all around uh, game of the week for match day three. Which by the time we get this podcast out tomorrow night, match day three should be announced the day after, I believe. So, um, Ash, we'll start with you. Uh, obviously, Prem Championship and League One. I think what we'll do this uh, this time, boys, we'll all go around um, and do Prem first, then Championship, then League One. Yeah. Um, so, Ash, if you can give me your Prem League pick. Uh, yep, so I've gone for yourself, Jam, against Sufi. Uh, obviously, two players that are expected to sort of fight up towards the top. Um, you've had a good start. Uh, Sufi um, has obviously only played two games as well, so um, i expecting a good game. Um, I-, I think if three points apiece could even go away. Um, but for me, sort of looking at those fixtures, that was the standout. I mean, if I could get three points there, I'd be a very, very happy man. I'll be honest. Have a bit uh, of confidence. Burger. My prem pick is Buncey and Messi. Um, it shows you the top versus bottom. So um, You're expecting gold? Uh, possibly, but there may be a shock there. But Buncey is problem has always been his consistency and I've always said if he tried harder for example I think he could well mix it in so it's his chance to obviously get another two wins on the board um, and put pressure on all the people that's expected to come up there Fair enough uh, Joe? I have gone with Suited and Shelbourne not for where they're in the league or anything like that just for the fact that they seem to have a little rivalry starting <laughs> A bit of needle <laughs> yeah, I mean, you 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 wouldn't have heard, John, but the last couple of weeks in the F1, they've really been getting chippy at each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. They've come together and they've blamed each other for various crashes and things. Been quite enjoying this little rivalry building up and they're, they're going to meet next week and it should be quite fun. Should we get cameras in the tunnel? Are we thinking like Keen Vieira, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I, I'll be honest, the, some of the words that have come out from the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if it is another Peter get, to be honest. Have a word. Oh, I'm looking forward to this then. That's uh, that's going to be my pick for the week then. Um, my my pick was Joby and Brian um, for the Prem. Um, just basically because of what I've said already. You know, Joby's talking himself up to be near the top of the table uh, come the end of the season. Brian's proven that you know he's got the the consistency maybe to be a top four player. Um, but the, the sale of his top striker might uh, might dis- sort of dissuade that. So we'll have to see. Um, Joe, we'll come to you first for the championship. Um, who is your pick for the game week in the championship? Yep, I've gone for Riverman against Gorton. Um, uh, Gorton doesn't have the best start. He's obviously his first season. He's only won one draw and one lost two. The interesting thing with it is, whenever Riverman plays him in friendlies, he can't beat him. Um, he's had some really poor games against him. So I wouldn't be shocked if Gorton could pick some points up off him there, drop Riverman down a couple of places and move himself up a couple of places. All right, cool. Uh, Ash? Uh, I've gone for Soggy and Bertie. Um, obviously, Soggy's unbeaten, uh, hasn't conceded a goal. And Bertie, again, I think is a bit of a false position. He's only played two games, though, and I expect him, once he's played Mack and Jet, to propel up there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see whether Bertie and his sort of style of play can uh, penetrate Soggy's side. Um, so, yeah, that, for me, is going to be an interesting one to see. And, Berger, I think, have you got the same game? 
I did pick Soggy and Bertie as well. Uh, Soggy Ball versus Bertie Ball. <laughs> Sounds very exciting. Get, get it streamed. Um, get it streamed, Bertie. Get it streamed. <laughs> yeah, around the time I'm going to bed, please. <laughs> <laughs> A lullaby. But yeah, I think that that because we, we I think Bertie's game in hand is being played on Thursday, so um, with that game um, could be quite important just just to see where Bertie is because Soggy is that leveller where he probably will sit in that position where between the playoff and the relegation, so. Um, I think it'd be a good indication of where Bertie could possibly finish. Do you know? Um, do you know these things that you see um, on like Football Manager where it's like Sims, Man United in like conference and all that sort of stuff? I'd love to see Soggy get up to the Prem to see what would happen. <laughs> to see where we would no. finish. Would he, no. would he still manage to navigate himself to mid table? <laughs> you know, just through sheer grit, like Tony Pulis style Stoke, uh, Rory <laughs> Delap. <laughs> Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, my pick was Aaron and Sofa for the championship um, purely because of what Joe was alluding to earlier on. I think Sofa is in a false position. Um, I think he's going to wake up at some point, and it could, you know, maybe take a play like Aaron to make him wake up and uh, and smell the coffee. Um, <laughs> so it might be an interesting game. Um, League One, I'll kick it off. Uh, MJG and Welza. Yeah. Um, again, two people that we've tipped, um, arguably to have good seasons in uh, in League One. Um, and I think whoever possibly, you know, if it's a six-pointer either way, that could have a massive detrimental knock-on um, for the person who loses that season. Um, so, yeah, that, that's definitely my pick. Um, Ash, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I went for the same, uh, for the, purely for the same reasons that you said, but I've also put here, um, and I think maybe it's difficult for me because I don't really uh, play too many players in League One um, to really have a good enough opinion of them. Um, in terms of their FIFA sort of style and ability, um, I've put Rhino and AST uh, Sati. Um, I've, I've played Sati a couple of times in TFIs. Um, a good player for that division. Um, I think maybe he's had a bit of a false start. Rhino has been unbeaten. Uh, we'll be hoping for the six points there. So it'll be interesting to see whether Rhino uh, can carry that on. Fair enough. Uh, Berger, what's your option for, uh, for League One? Um, it was Rhino and Sati. Um, I just I would love to be in a party when they play because some of the stuff they do say makes me well laugh a lot. Oh, so, um, <laughs> so uh, the other week um, uh, he was brilliant in the party. Old Sati, yeah, he was, he was brilliant. He was uh, fantastic. But I think I think they've played each other quite a lot, and there's been a lot of even games. So. Uh, that might be quite interesting, as well as being in the party with them. Yeah, and I think, again, alluding to what Joe said earlier on, you know, it puts Rhino under a little bit of pressure. Safety's maybe one I looked at as the, the people not not sort of projected to finish high up the league. So, again, he needs to make sure he, he puts these guys away. Um, you know, your Wiz Fox, Gazgrass, Harry, you know, you, you're sort of cannon fodder in that division. Um, you know, he needs to put them away and, and sort of aim to, to stay at the top. Um, Joe, your uh, pick for League One. I went if Hilly you, against. Well, I was going to say, I did struggle with this. Uh, <laughs> did you recognise any of the names? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I've seen a couple of knocking right in parties and that. They're, I went Hilly and Andy. Hilly's had a good start. He's on 12 points out of 12. Fair play to him. But I looked at Andy and I nearly dropped my phone. Andy got beat by Rhino 4 0 and 5 0. How oh. does that happen? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the thing is, Andy is. Um, he's actually I, it's proper 
like juxtaposed to what you've just said, but he isn't actually that bad a player, I don't find. Whenever I play him, until I pull away maybe towards the end of the game, it is a close game for sort of 50, 60 minutes. So I do always get yeah. confused why he's down there that far. But, you know, again, it's it, heck, it's different styles, isn't it? You know, different different opponents, maybe. There were just a couple of results that really jumped off the page at me. I just I thought they were really interesting. So I think that could be an interesting game. And obviously, yeah, so thank, thanks for your options there, boys. Uh, obviously, anybody who's been mentioned, and of course, all the ones who haven't, please uh, get your games on AGTV um, yeah. and uh, make sure we're, we're streaming as many games as possible. Um, right, obviously, normally at this point, I'll, I'd cut to Joe and his uh, his WhatsApp message to Ash to, uh, to sum up the F1. But Joe, instead, let's uh, let's do it live, my friend. So, um, Absolutely. We've got to, obviously Monaco, um, yeah. what was an absolute shit show for me and a lot of uh, Division Two, um, and possibly Azerbaijan, I think, to discuss as well the two street nope. circuits. Spain, Spain, Spain last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Catalonia. Okay. Yeah. Um, how uh, how did uh, how did everyone get on? First of all, what was the uh, the general appraisal? Uh, well, I assume. Do you want me to look at Division One and you take a look at Division Two, or fine? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Well, I mean. There's not a lot to say, really. Division One's really been dominated by the two best drivers. The last two weeks, Soggy Carriages has won and Bunsey's come second. Um, they're the best two drivers. They're in the worst two cars. Nothing you can really complain about too much, is it? They're, just, they're better than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, in terms of in terms of Division Two as well, I mean, Wince and Brian, which, again, you'd argue are the two best drivers in Division Two, um, both performing very well um, this week. Obviously, Brian, unfortunately... Um, didn't manage to make it through Monaco, um, but uh, but Wintz managed to finish first um, and finish second in Spain. So you know, again, it's we're seeing a trend. I think you know, like you said, the, the two drivers are pulling away. The two drivers at the top of Division One, two drivers at the top of Division Two. They're starting to create a little bit of a gap. Um, it's I, I don't know what you guys think. Obviously, I know you guys aren't in the Division Two race, um, but Harry and Mark, you know, two people who were in Division One, I believe. <laughs> Um, I'm surprised to see them third and fourth considering they must have some sort of cheat code to put a bloody barrier around their car or something because how they have managed to finish all those races it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous they're proper like bumper cars it's crazy absolutely crazy Um, say what you mean John oh mate it's so annoying but hey it's one of them things isn't it you know uh, fair racing guides and all that I do try and read them I wish they would read them too um, in terms of uh, in terms of projection for the season, I know we don't normally get to talk about this sort of thing. Um, we obviously look at the tables for the, for uh, for FIFA. Do you think that the the league tables as they stand, or the the sort of results tables for F1, are going to stay similar come the end of the season, Joe? At Division One, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Soggy and Buncey are starting to create a gap now. Buncey's sort of twenty points clear from anybody else. Soggy's nine points above him. Like I said, they're the best two drivers. They're in the worst two cars. There's no other way you can really handicap them. They're just better than everybody else. And everybody else is playing for, you know, third downwards. Um, if you look at the table now, again, Suit is doing really well. And he's in the second uh, worst car. He's in third yeah, place. Shelbourne's not far behind him. Absolutely, yeah. You've got uh, a couple of the promoted drivers are doing well as well. Ninja's on 31 points. MJG is 25. Mouse is a very good driver. It's a good division. It's very competitive apart from them two. Um and then looking down Division 2, I don't really know a lot about the drivers. Wintz wasn't someone that really jumped off the page of me that would be good at F1, but he's having a really good season, obviously. I, 
I don't think he's actually raced all the races, has he? He might only have done four. No, I don't think he has, two, no. I think he's done he's most had, of them. Yeah, he's done two firsts and two seconds out of six races, which is fantastic form, really. You've got Brian up there challenging him. And, I mean, Harry and Mark aren't that far behind, so it's it's a really close division. Yeah, I mean, again, I think for me, you know, having not raced in any F1 season before, I mean, it's a real eye-opener when you're going round some of the time. I mean... Again, I think a lot of it's strategy, even in Division 2. You know, people say it's not, but I think a lot of people do. You know, you see some people pitting off the first lap or the second lap even and then try and just sort of slam it, you know, slam it home for the rest of the race. It's, I think it definitely depends. And again, you see so many times, I mean, Monaco is a bad example, to be fair, but, you know, you see so many times sort of going into a corner, someone will just start sparking off about something. And, you know, it's that chain reaction you have, isn't it? You know, one person smashes into the back of someone else, but you don't know what's happened before. You know, yeah. someone else might have smashed into the back of them. So it's so difficult to manage. It really is. You know, some people call in for more stringent rules and, and bans, etc. It's just, you know, you see some of the threads after the race and it's it's a bloody joke. You could write War and Peace in less time, you know, with some of the, some of the threads in there. So... I do think, you know, the way you and Bertie run it, Joe, is really good. I think, um, I don't think there's much else that could be done to improve it, really. Um, have you and Bertie got any plans going forward in, in the F1 to, to change anything, you know, bring back constructors championships or anything like that? Not really. Uh, the constructors is very difficult because we started out and we didn't have full teams. Now they are getting filled up. But the, the, the reason the constructors worked in the first season was that we paid the best driver with the worst driver and the second best with the second worst. And that worked quite well because it was sort of balanced. But now, because we're using the unequal cars and you've got yeah. the best drivers in the worst cars, it just doesn't really balance itself out. There's no way you can really sort of work it where it's going to be fair. Um, it's just impossible, really. I've said this before. I think it was Big B wanting to do something with it. And I said to him, look, I don't think it can work. But if you want to try and do something, I've got no problem with you doing it. I just don't think you can make it work realistically. Fair enough. Um, Berger or Ash, anything to be said on the F1 before we move on? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I, I've come on on a Monday night. I enjoy it. I'm awful at F1. You know, I don't think I've finished higher than sort of 10th, 9th in the... Uh, or in Division 1, though. In the races. Um I, I enjoy it. It's good. It, it gives a good laugh. Some of the threads are brilliant after a Monday night. Um, it, it's good to see. It's good to see so many numbers on it. Um, I mean, across the two divisions, and uh, I know I've said that a couple of times in the past. Um, it is a really, really good event, and I mean, when you get everybody on, it's just it is class. Um, but yeah, no, I just come on a Monday night. I enjoy it. Um, I will. <laughs> We'll see. I mean, I might end up in Division Two next season. The way things are currently going. Um, yeah, Sorry, really good. Say really good. Bring your helmet. That's really what good. I would say. <laughs> oh, well, bring, hopefully, bring Harry down. Harry might go up if he. Fe- <laughs> I might avoid him. Uh, I was going to say that might be your plan. You might be trying to swap him. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, enjoying it. Uh, hopefully, the circuit's coming up now is going to be um, a lot less stricter than the ones that have happened recently, as in difficulty of track. So, um, I'm mid-table, so and I've. I think my best finish is fourth. Uh, so, yeah, just mid okay at the moment. Uh, I'm not expecting much, but hopefully I can challenge in some races. Brilliant. 
Um, right, we're going to move on, boys. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, my favourite segment of, of every podcast from, from now and, and going forward. Um, it's going to be Controversy Corner, uh, which this week is... Uh, we've actually got a sponsor for it, boys. Woo! Um, so this week's sponsor for uh, Controversy Corner comes from Endombelli's agent, um, who's recently, uh, you know, he's a bit flush um, for, for reasons that will become apparent later on. He's been on. a busy, busy, busy boy. He's been a very busy boy. <laughs> working non-stop the quarantine has not put him out of a, out of a job let's put it that way um joe before we move on to end on belly i believe you've got something you want to talk about on controversy corner as well then well i did want to take a quick look at albert ellis um i believe i think we all want to have a look at this deal yeah. hang on, hang on. i thought this is meant to be what, controversy what? corner this oh, is controversy corner. controversy corner. And I was just about to say, this doesn't involve one of the podcast members, but I think you've made it pretty obvious who it is, Ash. <laughs> I don't know what Albert you're talking Ellis. about. Albert Ellis was bought by... Born. <laughs> I thought you were going to say born. I thought you were going to give his life story. <laughs> <laughs> he was born. I can, I, can, I can read off his Wikipedia if you read it. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Ellis was bought by Storm. He paid 30 million Scudo, and he also gave Fosu Mensah, who he'd been asking 30 million Scudo for on top, and Abu Bakar, the striker. Quite a big fee, I think you'll agree. Everybody uh, seemed million, to agree. Yeah, everyone seemed to agree that he'd vastly overpaid. But I think you've got to look at it in the case. If, if he really wanted to play, if he was going to change his team, OK, crack on with it. Who did he do Not, the deal? Do you know, I can't remember. It is Aaron. Oh, was it Aaron? That, that's that, right, yeah, that that's makes right, sense. that's right, yeah. It's, 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 the, uh, it's the WhatsApp crew too, isn't it? Anyway. Party chat. Not, party yeah, chat, boys. Not, not that much longer on. Bearing in mind he paid about 90 million for him. A deal gets posted where he goes from Storm to Ash for 25 million Scudo. Shocking. Yep, now, good that, deal. that sounds dodgy in itself, but I think <laughs> you've really got to weigh up the fact. The deal was posted at 1.26pm. It was confirmed at 1.27pm. It was processed by 1.29 p.m. <laughs> Four minutes after being posted. It's almost as if they wanted to sort of cover it over and not let anybody see <laughs> it under the rug. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying, Ash? Brilliant. Um, well, <laughs> so, <laughs> so my side of the story. Um, no, it all started in one evening. Uh, I initially PM'd uh, Storm for uh, Ellis. Um, originally was told he wasn't for sale. Um, so I sort of carried on my sort of search. Um, he messaged me the next morning after I had put through a deal um, that I can't remember who it was, but I had 25 million come my way. Um, I tell you exactly who it was, but we'll carry on. We'll yeah. in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Um, in Scudo. Um, so he PM'd me and said, uh, I'd take 25 million for Ellis. And obviously, as you can uh, probably well imagine, I snapped his hand off at it. Um, and that, that, that's all there was to it, really. <laughs> ripped his arm off, mate, let alone snap his hand off. I'd take his whole bloody body for that. Jesus. Um, yeah, I mean, thanks for bringing that to our attention, Joe. Uh, anybody who missed out on it, I think, obviously, now you know. Um, there's some right dodgy dealings going on. I mean, the best bit and the whole thing of it, you know, even Aaron had to chip in at this, was, you know, Harry, bless him, gets a very bad rep. You know, we're not <laughs> excluded from that. We give him a bad rep on the podcast. Um, you know, he gives away a lot of his players quite cheap. Um, but one of the main people who gets on it for him is Storm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nobody's immune, let's be honest, to, to a bad deal. That was probably one of the worst we'd seen in a while. So, um, anyway, 
we are going to move on because I want to talk about Ndombele. All right. So we talked about Ndombele in the last podcast, if you don't remember, Ash. Yeah. Um, we actually gave him away. That's for it. Two, for the, the sole small amount of two million Scudo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which in itself was apparently controversial. God knows why. Um, but um, I just want to sort of run you down because this this looks like some sort of shell company Cayman Islands dealings here. So we've got Messi inherits Ndombele. He then sells him to Ash for thirty million plus an average left back. Let's be honest, Matt Target is average. Hey, Matt Target is a seventy-five rated player. He's average. Yeah. <laughs> Ash then sells him to Shelbourne for twenty-five million plus a CDM, Samare or something. Yeah, someone from someone from France. Yeah. Shelbourne. Now this is the controversial bit, which we've gotten to a bit. Shelbourne then sells him to Aaron for fifteen million plus Buendia. Who is a uh, a player for Norwich, I believe, in real life. Yeah. Um. So within the space of, I would say about two. Well, it must be two weeks because it was yeah. like a podcast. He's changed hands four times, if you include him being given to Messi in the first place. So, I mean, that's 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 a lot, isn't it? Let's be honest. That's four times in two weeks. Um, <laughs> I remember the days that we uh we had a, a Bastost. Uh, and he was a player yeah. that uh, went for it round about, must have gone around every team, every team in the league. Um. <laughs> so the first thing I want to say, Ash, right? Is, yeah. First of all, was he good to play with, yes or no? No. No. Oh, okay, right. Well, okay. And, he didn't I fit. You were say, well, yeah, sorry. Why was he bad? Well, he didn't fit my style of play. Let's say that. I think. Um, right, this sounds very vague. Like I think. Um, no. <laughs> um, for me, you either play in your two centre midfield positions. You either play as a sort of left midfielder, which is more of a defensive midfielder, Let me which, or a right midfielder, or the right midfielder. Yes, well done, Jam. Um, the right midfielder that sort of is a bit more, a bit like an attacking mid, almost like a camp. Um, for me, for me, he's wasted in the sort of defensive midfield role because statistically he's a little bit better um, than a defensive midfielder, but. There was something about him in the attacking midfield. I think he's got something like 58, 56 finishing. Um, that didn't get on for me in that position either. So, for me, it, on, on his wages, I couldn't keep him. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad you've mentioned wages as well. Because this is the sticking point, I think, now, isn't it? Which we're going to come on to in just a minute. Um, in terms of in terms of, uh, of the wages and end on ballet to be precise. So he's an 80 rated player, which means he's 1.6 million per match day in wages. I mean, that's just astronomical, isn't it? You know, that's two he chans with 200 K left over. Um, it's, half, it's half your income as well. Yeah. Well, just over half your income. Actually, yeah. Burger. you get 3 million, mate, but thanks for chipping him. Um, in terms of, <laughs> in terms of, uh, we'll, we'll come to you in a minute with your facts and figures. All right, sit down, sit down. Um, in terms of uh, of the wages and the impact, um, now I, I can't. I, I don't. I actually had a source. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? I actually had someone tell me they saw this on the site, and then they backed down on telling me where they saw it. So I can't actually say it actually happened. But somebody told me, and this isn't me, Shelbourne. Somebody told me that you mooted the idea that you were going to defer games until you got paid. So you didn't go into admin because Endombele was costing you so much money, was what I got told because of the eliminator. Now I'm not accusing you of that because you sold him anyway, so there's nothing to be, you know, nothing to, to sort of get you on anyway. But it does raise the question, okay? It does raise the question. Um, something that I know that Joe's talked about and Bunsey and Riverman, etc. Um, which 
is the current wage structure, which I've, you know, not been backwards and coming forwards saying that I personally, you know, have problems with, is it working? You know, is it actually working? Is it being effective? Um, and you've got to look at it, you know, with the, the inclusion of the Eliminator games, the inclusion of high rated players. I would probably have to say, yeah, it, maybe it is working. But, um, Joe, because you're one of the sort of more, um, I don't know, sort of one of the guys, well, first of all, you are in minus wages, um, and you're one of the guys that does sort of chip in every now and then with a, with a, a com- comment in that thread. Um, do you think it's working? Do you think that, you know, Shelbourne having to sell, um, you know, arguably his best player because of the amount of wages it costs him, um, do you think that's sort of good for the league? Do you think it's effective? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you should probably, you should probably remember the fact that I had a big hand in putting it together, so I'm obviously going to stick behind it. But yeah, I do think it's working. I think if you look at the players that are being banded about at the moment, people are having to sell players. Shelbourne had to sell Endon Bailey because he, he, he hadn't factored in the uh, Eliminator Cup and how many minus payments he was going to have to make just to play in that. You had Bunsey who offered uh, Soyuncu out a couple of days ago to Subby mm. because the wages are massive. He's an 80 rated player. Again, it's 1.6 million out of your 3 million match day payment. These players, if there wasn't such a robust system, robust system in place, they wouldn't be being offered out, would they? People would be sitting on them and keeping all of them forever. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting. And I mean, at Berger, I know, I know you're itching, itching to give me your, uh, your load of snaps. But one thing I want to say just before we come to you is um, is Shelbourne's wages when he had Endon Bele were around four million, I believe. I don't quite remember the exact amount, but around four million. Um, so you're talking that he's being forced into doing events, you know, or or selling. To be fair, you know, he didn't have to do events; he could sell the players. Um, but if he wants to maintain his good team, he's being forced into events, um, you know, to, to cover, and that's a minimum of two events. I think it was just over four million. So arguably, he'd have to do three events to make sure he was coming out of that week with with a good score. Now, we know he does the F1, he does um, the golf, but then he'd have to make sure that he, he committed to another one to stay solvent. So, um, Berger, I know you're, uh, you've got some stats prepared, so if you want to just sort of fly through and, and fill me, Ash, and Joe in on those uh, those stats so we can have a bit more of an in-depth conversation. Yeah, um, basically from the last BFA, the uh, site was actually having a positive income from that. Now, from the BFA um, that happened last week, um, it's actually the if everyone was to get paid a match day income uh, now, uh, it'll be a negative five million. Now, it's I think it's the first time it's ever happened on the site where there's less money going out than it's coming in. Um, now, obviously, that's gonna obviously. Um, going to make everything a lot more interesting in the BFA market and the selling market and the buying market uh, because a lot of people with money who are going to buy people, um, they're going to have to be looking over their shoulder to see if they can sell other players as well. So um, the more players come in, the more people are going to be looking over their shoulder. And I've said quite a few times that I would say at least 89% of people will be negative wages come the end of the season. So, with what Joe has just said previously, the wages, the setting stone is set up for this moment where um, it's actually working now, where people are managing their funds, see what they can get in, and just so, for example, I'm making minus 1.25 million, and 
Uh, I've got 80 million, so I know I can't really spend more than 50 million as long as I've got a sizable wedge to cater for something if something goes wrong or something like that. So um, definitely through on the season, Scudo is going to become scarce in my opinion. So a lot more people are going to be a lot more, um, uh, well, going to be a lot more manageable on that Scudo front. I mean, the way we look at it right now, people are sort of going to start living hand to mouth, aren't they? Is what yeah. you're saying. You know, you're going to get Joe pay you out for the goal from the F1, and arguably by the time the better rate of players come in, that could pay for your wages. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the, the sort of pre-work I did on it, I mean, there's 13, um, sorry, there's the 18 managers in the uh, three divisions that are on right. negative wages, yeah. and there's 23 managers that are uh, zero or above. So that doesn't take, take into account the fact that one of those 23 that are zero above is zero, and the likes of myself, which I'm only getting 80k, I think, for a match day. So you know, virtually I could sign a shitter and be over over wages. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to say at this point to maintain a sort of fair argument is that normally I'm, you know, the, the last podcast we had a similar debate to this. I think you'll remember Joe and, and Ash. Yeah. Um, it was when Packfish was on, um, and me and Packfish <laughs> had a bit of a debate about it. Um, and at the time I was really, really sort of quite stringent, you know, in the fact that I, I wanted to make sure I put my voice across that I didn't agree with it. Um, and arguably, whether I agree with it or not, I'm actually coming to terms with the fact now that there is going to be no way come, I would say, one, maybe two BFA, but probably one BFA's time that I'm not going to be in negative wages. And I'm just going to have to deal with that. Um, whether I agree with it or not, it's going to happen. And like Berger says, come the end of the season, especially people that are active are going to be in negative wages because they can afford to be, which is the key. You know, they can afford to be in negative wages. If you're someone, and again, I'm going to pick on him necessarily, well, not pick on him necessarily, but pick his name out, someone like Wiz Fox who can't get on to do these events, you can't be in negative wages because you've got no income coming in. You're going to have to sell someone. So I think it's important to make sure that we we sort of find a balance. And I think that's what the End on Ballet deals recently have been doing. They've been actually addressing the balance that, you know, we're not seeing someone accumulate a, a Galactico team because they can't manage it. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ash, do you agree? Yeah, I think so. And I think it all just sort of now comes down to common sense and um, looking forward. I mean, if you've bought a player in a BFA that's high rated and you're already on sort of uh, negative wages, you know you're going to have to sell on a player in order to keep that wage down. Um, I, I know we've had in the past, and I think you were a big advocate when you were... Um, not going into negative wages and that you should only be able to spend what you uh, you earn effectively. Um, forgive me if I've uh, misinterpreted that wrong. But... No, no, no. no. I, I, just quickly, I, I personally, personally, I do still agree with that. I, I, it doesn't sit well with me that I'm going to be in negative wages. For yeah. whatever reason, it just doesn't. But I know I am going to, and I've accepted the fact that I am going to be in negative wages. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think that's, 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 yeah, I mean, I think that's more difficult now um, as we sort of get towards the higher rated players um, and with the income being the sort of base 3 million. Um, you know, I know in the past we've sort of done for franchises where each franchise has sort of been a bit more higher uh, in terms of income. Um I think, you know, as the more higher rated players come in, the more 79s and the more 80s, you know, the 80 rated players that are another 1.6 million in wages, one of two things are going to happen. Either people will get them, but then they're going to have to move them on. Um, 
or they're not going to be, you know, especially on a blind BFA, for example, they're not going to be picked up because people will look at the wages. Um, if you've got a player that's in, you know, for example, Shelbourne, um, who we've talked about on here already, is three million. Um, you know, he's losing three million per match day at the moment. Someone like him is not going to add another one point six million uh, onto his wage. I think it, it all comes down. And I think it's, you know, this season in particular has been quite good and. Um, it's all about balancing the players and the uh, and the wages. Uh, hopefully, people are smart enough to realise that if they bring in another high-rated player on, they're going to have to move somebody on, um, because otherwise, you're just going to end up in a lot of uh, you're not going to earn any money, and you're going to have to play in nearly everything in order to cover yourself. Yeah, I mean, on on that point exactly. I mean, Berger. I hope you don't mind me saying, but I mean yourself, for example, you. I would say you probably attend most events, if not all events on the site on a week to week basis. Um, you know, you do the F1, you do the golf, you do the TFI, Golden Goal, etc. Um, Barbie's say, dream house. What's that? Barbie's dream house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's, say, let's say you earn eight million from events on a weekly basis. Would that be about fair? Uh yeah, I'd say so, so. Yeah, two million for golf, two million F one, two million for TFI or, or um, COD, and then um, a late night event run by Joe. So eight million. Yeah, what would be the the sort of furthest into the red you would go on your wages and feel comfortable? Personally, probably hmm, two point five million. Anything above that, then I'd have to get rid of something. I reckon. I think that's my. Um, your ceiling yeah my ceiling and i think i mean it's not good but i think that if you if you're adding another 79 to 80 that's going to be going into um four million and so so um i think two and a half million uh is probably my ceiling so to speak yeah right um ash what about you what would yours be um, I mean, I'm quite fortunate at the moment. I'm only 630,000 um, under. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult. I mean, two and a half million, I think, is a is a reasonable amount. I probably wouldn't go any higher than that just because otherwise, I mean, you've got to play in yeah, more than two events really a week to cover that. Um, and I just think as well, you know, it, it, it's not worth it at times. Um, so two and a half million would probably be my okay. maximum go to as well. And um, Joe, same question. Yeah, pretty much the exact same figure. I think at the moment I have minus 2.48 million, um, which means I can still pay my wages easily and uh, still my cash is still going to go up as long as I sort of um, take part in the events that I think I'm going to take part in. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going to come back to you, Joe, in one minute, just round off with with one last question. But, Berger, just mm-hmm. one last question to you as well. Um, do you think that there's any correlation in the fact that when you look at the percentage, because I know you'll have this figure written down, I believe, when you look at the percentage of managers and the breakdown between negative and positive wages across the three divisions, um, you've got a big, bigger percentage or the biggest percentage of managers that are in negative wages per division is in the Premier League. And then it goes down and down yeah. as you go down. So correct, League yeah. One, for example, only has four people that are in negative wages. Um, they have 15 managers, whereas the, the Premier League has 13 managers. Um, yeah, and, and they have seven. You know, so do you think there's a correlation between that, or, do you, or why do you think there's a correlation there? Um, I think with the if you look at the names in the Prem and, and the Championship, the Championship have also got seven people. 
uh, in but the they negative. have more managers. They've got two more managers. Though. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that, that, that's granted. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you say some of the names. You're probably going to be picking up names in the Championship Prem who are active anyway, who will attend events, who will take part in F1 and the champion uh, F1 and uh, the golf. So, um, so what you're yeah, saying is people that are more active and more likely to go into negative wages because they'll be earning more money, spending more money on BFAs, and they're they will always act because if someone's earning 400k, they've only got 10 million. They're not really going to be moving anywhere really, other than just making way, playing games, and just playing the games on there. So um, there is a correlation, obviously. Premiership, uh, I think they, they're currently losing six million. Championship is losing four, and the League One is earning five million per match day. So in those figures in itself, um, just proves. So you're, based on your figures come the end of the season, League One could have all the money. Possibly. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, the, the one thing well, I want to... It, it, it might turn for premium players, going to League One players, here's a player for Scudo, take him. Yeah. And hopefully that, that will obviously increase their team. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, the the last question I want to ask on this subject, and, and ultimately to, to hopefully start to round the podcast off, uh, Joe, I want you to answer this. And to be fair, I'll ask you first, and I can come to the other lads as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in light of what's happened with Endon Bele, and and like you said about Soyun Chu as well, do you think that the sort of the higher rated players? So when I say higher rated, I mean seventy nine and above, because I think that's where they go over a million, I believe. Um, is 79 or maybe even 78 but i think 79 definitely is over a million um do you see those players that sort of threshold and above becoming less appealing as we move through the season and therefore the likes of uh, malin that's just gone to uh, jeff and he chan obviously who went to me from messi becoming more appealing because they're sort of 77 rated but still perform at a high level at this point yes absolutely because uh, You've got, to have one of those top-tier players, you're talking an 80-rated player, you've got to budget for them. And I think that's a good thing. Um, the matchday payment is going to go up. That's, that's part of the plan. What it's going to go up to is completely down to Marcus. That's, uh, uh, that's completely his decision. Um, so the, the whole idea of it is that's going to go up step-by-step. Step, and as the ratings in the league progress, they're also going to go up. And I think what's also important to look at is that the step in ratings now is going to get quite large. You know, you're talking about from 80 to 81, it's another half a million. Mm. And even if the um, even if the match day payment goes up to say five or six million, it's still a big chunk of it. But that was obviously done by design because you'll remember back to the end of the last setup, um, it was far too easy to have a team of out and out yeah, what you'd call slags, yeah. There was no real step in ratings. You could go from an 80 to an 83 and it would cost you maybe 200,000 more. Now you're talking probably about one and a half million more on a much reduced payment. So it's quite a big thing, really. I think something else is quite important. There's two different arguments here. You've got the argument for, is the wage system working? And you've also got the argument for, which is a separate one, should people be allowed to go into negative wages? They are actually two different things for yeah, me. Yeah, I think that's something I've sort of come to agree with, is the, and that's, that's when I say I've come to terms with it, I, th- I think you're, you've hit the nail on the head with that one. They are, they should be looked at as maybe two separate issues. Because, Absolutely, yeah. Because I think ultimately, 
if you're a competitive player in these divisions, you know, and again, I, when I say that, I'm not sort of throwing shade, for example, on someone like Wiz Fox who can't get to a lot of events, therefore can't be as competitive because of the you know fear of going to negative wages. If you're someone who can afford going to negative wages, you're going to end up doing it because you want the best players. Um, but like you say, if then Marcus turns around either at the end of the season or at the midway point of the season and says, right, boom, there you go. Instead of it being 3 million wages, it's now going to be 6 million wages, you know, or 5 million or 4 million, whatever it is. But he might then turn around and say, right, and you've got this game week to get yourself into, you know, solvency. Otherwise, they'll start being fines. Again, I think it'd be very interesting. Whether that would happen, I don't know. Again, I'm not. it's not something that's been talked about. Um, but you're yeah. absolutely right. There should be two separate issues. I think that the, the thing as well is, like I say, without throwing any names under the bus, there's only so much you can do to help the people who aren't as active on the site. Mm. I mean, we had a lot of arguments last time, like going back to the last setup, where people didn't like the, the different tiers of the matchday payments because if you weren't as active on the site, you couldn't earn enough money, you couldn't earn a good enough brand, and you'd always be behind someone that was more active and had a better, a, a, you know, a higher start franchise. Now all the matchday payments are the same, so that's gone out the window. There's only so much you can do. People are always going to find something to dislike or mourn about. If people don't take part in events all day, not as active around the site, in my opinion personally, you should have an advantage over those people if you're active on the site and you put more into it. You should have a better team. You should you should be able to buy better players. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think you, you, know, you think. Yeah, no, no I, I, to be honest, I, I sort of. Again, I half agree. Like you say, it's the different arguments, isn't it? It's weird. Um, yeah. Like I say, I agree. I absolutely agree that people that are active on the site should be rewarded. Um, you know, and I think Riverman keeps chirping up the um, the sort of statement. You know, I'm sat on 170 million or whatever it is. What am I going to spend my play money on if it's not players? You know, or if it's not um, if it's not wages, etc. Which I absolutely get. I understand. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, and just quickly, just to finish off, um, Ash and Berger, I'll come to you first. Um, same sort of question, but hopefully a little bit shorter, just in a sort of you know one sentence answer. Do you see the sort of 77 rated players and below that are of a good quality becoming more popular? Yeah, I think so. Um, for the reasons that have been stated um, by Joe already. Yeah, Berger? Uh, agreed. Um, just quickly, uh, just when Joe was explaining that, that was fine. And with the Malin is a perfect example uh, and, and Dombele where he's not going to be really um, winning the game for you. For example, if there is an 80-rated striker there, for example, and I think Haaland is, you'd want him in your squad, so you're obviously going to make way, but he's worth the wages for what he will get you. But yeah. if it's for someone like Dombele who doesn't wouldn't change the game that much, you can see why people would do what they're doing and get in a lower rate of player and all getting him off the wage bill. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, to be fair, boy, we could go on and on, couldn't we? We could go on, yeah. on, on and on for days and days on this subject. And hopefully uh, the next podcast, we can maybe revisit it with a different um, a different panel to uh, to get someone else's thoughts on it. Um, but we're going to we're gonna try and wrap it up now, boys, I think, because uh, we've run over slightly on our hour target, which is a bit frustrating. But um, I think we've had a good podcast and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it. So, uh, Berger, if you want to say goodbye. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Evening, guys. See you later. Thank you. And Joe? Goodbye. Thank you very much. And Ash? <laughs> yeah, no, cheers for listening as always, guys.
Yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, I'll get any feedback. If you've enjoyed the podcast uh, or want to sort of come on, anything like that, please, please stick a, uh, a response in the thread or PM me and Ash uh, for any information. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye.